about them Irish. I can't take it anymore. I need a national championship. This is the Four Horsemen Podcast. On Saturday, the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame will go for their fourth 10-win season in five years. I'm joined by Steve. This is the Four Horsemen Podcast. How are you doing today, Steve? Doing great. Highly optimistic, feeling very good about everything. Um, For given the situation that we're in, I think uh, spirits are riding about as high as they could be. So very pumped after that huge win. How about you? Yeah, pretty pretty good win. I mean, anytime you beat Boston College at uh, at home, it's always a nervy one. Um, so I'm kind of glad that was taken care of. That we're going to head up for our tenth win uh, at Palo Alto this week. Um, we're going to try to maybe keep this one a little shorter today. Um, but I'd like to send out a PSA out there that it is bowl season coming up, and last year. Um, P-Wagon had the genius idea of having uh, guests come on for the bowl preview. So if uh, anyone out there is interested, we uh, we may be considering having guests on again. Um, so uh, shoot us a DM or, or or contact us somehow if you're if you're interested. No guarantees, but um, we are uh, fielding requests to get onto the show. So let's move into the game. Um, Notre Dame beat Boston College forty to seven. It was a game where early on Notre Dame had scored four out of their five drives or five out of their six drives, but there was a lot of field goals and you could just see the angst on Twitter. I mean, I remember seeing fans saying we're playing bad. I mean, anytime you score four to five, it's not bad. It's just, we weren't scoring touchdowns. Um, and it's like this every week. Notre Dame always starts kind of slow. Uh, and then we end up blowing them out. So we ended up winning 40 to seven. I had predicted 45, 17. So that's fairly close. I think that's a margin of about, I can't do math, but I'm guessing like two, um, is that even close? Is my math there? You're the math guy. <laughs> I'm not the math guy. I handle retirement funds, but I can't do math worth shit. Yeah, I was five points over offensively and 10 points under. So that would be five. I was off by a margin of five. Nice. Um, so uh, before we get into it, I'll just break down the quick box score stats. Uh, Boston College had 191 yards to Notre Dame's 501. If you Ooh. just show that to someone, they should understand what happened in that game and why. Um, Boston College only had 63 through the air. Notre Dame had 249 um, yards per attempt thrown BC3, which is pitiful, and Notre Dame 6. And lastly, rushing yards, uh, Boston College at 128, Notre Dame at 252. And the important thing there is Boston College, I couldn't get the exact number, but after this game, at least, they're averaging 267 yards. So they were averaging well above 267 coming into this game, and we held them to 128. Again, proving that running the ball is uh, stoppable if you so choose to stop it. Um, Steve, what do you have to say for the game? So you mentioned quickly uh, at the start here that you, know, you you do see a little bit of panic. Oh crap! Here we go again. Struggling. Here comes a stinker. And I get it. Like, trust me. Like I've 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 have had plenty of pessimistic moments. Right. So I'm not going to put that past me. I'm I'm definitely guilty of it. But you have to understand that what we've built over the last three years, we are heading for our potentially third consecutive ten win year. Uh, ten win year. Uh, you know. So so we we are at the precipice currently. Or 
I think, approaching the precipice of Notre Dame football. We're definitely at a peak right now, which is awesome. This defense is so damn resilient, man. Uh, they are so resilient. You, you could tell, yeah, okay, we went down seven to six early in the game, but that's it. We literally shut them down there on afterward. Um, so yeah, it, it is what it is. You know, there's we're not every single game that we play in, we're not going to win fifty-five nothing. I don't know if that's a spoiler spoiler alert to anybody, uh, but you should probably know that going in. Um, we know that we have a, a hot or cold offense. Sometimes we're absolutely rocking and, and very efficient. Sometimes we go through uh, just some poor execution, and, and that's uh, just the nature of this team that we have in 2019. And that's fine. You know, we, we have a dominant offensive line. We have a dominant defensive line. We have an incredible secondary. Linebackers have showed up to play this year like bats out of hell. And, uh, you know, we have some skilled players that some are incredible, some leave a little bit to be desired, but all things considered, everyone plays their role. And we are a very, very good, in my opinion, top 10 football team in the nation. And are we in the top five this year? No, we're not a top five team talent wise. Right. And, and that's okay. You know, we're, we're building towards it. Uh, but don't panic guys. If, if we're down seven to six early to Boston college, if it was like seven to six in, in the third or going right into halftime, okay, I'd be right there with you, but this team has a spine. We have a backbone. We are good. Just chill out. Yeah. Well said. Um, I think anytime you can beat the Eagles, it's a, it's a, a good win regardless of where we are in the season. Uh, because they are a tough team to play. And I had, I think, tweeted out during the game, this is the closest blowout ever <laughs> because Notre Dame could have won that game. They could have put 60 on Boston College. I mean, we had settled for a lot of field goals. Doerr had a really good game kicking the ball. Um, so overall, I think that not much to take from that. Um, it was a blowout, good game, solid game. Um, I, I don't really have many parting thoughts. It was just really well well played just like navy i mean we've been seeing notre dame ever since that michigan loss really crush opponents this is our what a third week in a row now where we've uh, really dominated ian book has played well three weeks in a row finally um so unless you have anything else to say i would uh, suggest we move on to our four horsemen uh, that's perfectly fine with me let's buzz through buddy i'll let you kick us off Sure. Uh, my fourth horseman, I picked our amazing linebacker, Bilal, who's kind of come out of nowhere this year in his senior year. Um, he had eight tackles, four solo, and uh, one tackle for a loss. Uh, really good game. I thought he was flying everywhere. Um, it was really good to see him kind of, I don't know if he's eligible to come back, but if he isn't, you know, maybe add some draft stock to his uh, to his prospect um third i went with cole Komet. he officially tied the record for tight ends uh, touchdowns by a tight end in the season at notre dame he had seven receptions for 78 yards uh, and of course the one touchdown um i think Komet coming back next year is going to be massive i hope whoever the quarterback is we can work him more into the game plan because he is a really really good talent um, third, I went with Aloe Gilman, who is a guy we had in our Four Horsemen a lot last year and not so much this year. Um, I don't know if he's taken a step back, but we just haven't seen him kind of dominate the way he did last year. But uh, regardless, he had seven tackles, five for uh, five solo tackles, one sack and one tackle for a loss. Really good game for him. I remember my eyeballs seeing him too. He was just visually looking good. He was coming in on blitzes. He was making a lot of tackles. So very happy for Gilman. I heard he has another year of eligibility. I don't know if I can believe that. If he does, fantastic. But He does, um, but all things point to him leaving for the draft, which is perfectly fine. Because yeah, think, you know, yeah. we, we, we have the, the skill coming up to replace him. So, I mean, he's, he, he's earned it. 
Yeah, I would I'd welcome him, though, but um, I think he does have NFL prospect. Uh, he's at least draftable, and I think he could have a nice little career in the NFL. And lastly, I went with, uh, you're going to have to help me here, Ogundeje? I think it's Adukatempe Ogundeji. Ogundeji. Okay. Well, he was an absolute monster in that game. I mean, you had tweeted from the account, uh, I think, one of the the gifts from one of his plays. Mm -hmm. Um, He had six tackles, five of them solo, two sacks, and three tackles for a loss. He just dominated Boston College. He got it up all up in their backfield. He was... Um, right in the quarterback's face. Just a really good game overall, and I'm and I'm glad. Um, I think he's coming back. I, I I've never really heard of him until this season. So he's a he redshirt junior. Redshirt junior. So he'll come in and replace some of that D line talent we're losing. Um, and overall, it was a good game. It was a good senior day. Um, Doug Flutie wasn't too intolerable. Being a Boston College alum, I thought he was all right. But I mean, we still need Brady Quinn for the booth. Um, and I think that's it. You know, you beat a rival, you beat them pretty good, and overall, you uh, you play very solid football. Yeah, definitely. Um, all great choices, and there was a lot of choices to pick from. Uh, so it kind of it stinks that we have to leave anybody out here. Um, you know, I'm, I'm gonna give it right off the top. Uh, Ian Book, first horseman, 239 yards. Uh, looks like he was well over. 50 probably flirting with uh, over 60 percent passing he was 26 of 40 i can't do that math quickly um but 239 yards three touchdowns also added 66 yards on the ground so clearing 300 total yards awesome that's that's what we get and and honestly i mean it's he's he's starting to reel me back in i've never not loved ian book he's always been great i've just been critical of him as being a game-breaking quarterback against top tier competition and i'd love to see him make that next step and you know we'll see what the future holds because ian did have some ambiguous comments after the game in regards to his future coming back leaving would he go to the nfl likely not would he grad transfer more likely uh if he were to leave the program would be a grad transfer but he might come back yeah, and, and he has a team built around him and if he can progress then then all the more power to him i Phil Jerkovich is, is my one and only true love in this world, but uh, you know I want to remain a steadfast supporter of Ian Book. I want to see him succeed more than anyone. So great for him for having a good game. Um, yeah, Cole Komet was definitely a monster, but just in the nature of senior day, I'm going to give it to Chris Fink. Seven catches for 71 yards, also had a touchdown, so that's a feel-good story for the former walk-on. Uh, Adi Ogundeje is the, the clear defensive MVP of this game. Seven, no, six total tackles, uh, two sacks, and I believe a forced fumble as well. I mean, he is a monster. He's like 6'4", like 230. He's a freak athlete. He's quick. He's got explosiveness. And, you know, with Julian Aquara going down with the broken fibula, uh, this is this is a really, really solid guy to step up. And it's, like I've mentioned before in podcast past, uh, it took him some time to see the playing field, but he just needed to develop and grow into his body, and boy, has he. So I'm, we are Adi Ogundeje fans. We are stands of, of Adi, so I uh, love him. And then in terms of just going out there and just doing your job, uh, I'm going to give this one for the second time, I believe, this year. Uh, for second time, uh, congratulations, Jonathan Dorr. Uh, four for four on field goals. He ha- did have a long of 47, and he was just absolutely stroking that ball into the uprights. Uh, I think his one from 47, which was his long on the day, that looked like it might have been good from like 55. Um, so he absolutely spanked that thing, and and he is 
really growing in when when there was a lot of concern about him originally. Um, you know, J- John Doerr, incredible, and you know I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't have uh, one fi- uh, final one, not not an official horseman, but just a um, you know as a I guess honorable mention with um, let's see. Five rushes for 42 yards, and then one of one passing for 10 yards. I'm going to give uh, an honorary mention to Phil Jerkovich. Uh, I think he earned it. He went out there and just he's he's just incredible, and I love him very very much. So <laughs> so that would be uh, my four horsemen. Sure, I think that's very valid. I think we should give a shout out to um, to I believe his name's Lacey, he big defensive tackle who just murdered a Boston College player. Um, as well as Awusu, who has been counting up the murders this season. But um, do you know, is he a freshman or a redshirt freshman, Lacey? Jacob Lacey is a true freshman. I believe he is going to be eligible to pre- – well, I believe he will have the option to preserve eligibility, assuming he does not play both the Stanford game and the bowl game. If he plays both, he'll lose eligibility. If he plays only one, I believe he preserves. I was reading that today, but I could be off, but I know I'm very close. Yeah, he's a, he's a talent to watch in the future. Um, but let's go on to uh, to wrap this up here with the uh, juice in my nuts. What was your moment for this game? Has to be Braden Lindsay on the end of rounds. That kid, he is the new Rocket Rocket Ishmael. Uh, wears number twenty five just like Rocket did. Absolute cannon for wheels. Like uh, he, he takes off in two seconds flat. Uh, what was it like a sixty one yard end of round for a touchdown? Braden Lindsay, when he touches the ball, whether it's by running the ball or receptions, this year has averaged like over 25 yards per carry. It's 25.2 or 25.4, but what a big playmaker. And if, if you think about his future, he is a redshirt freshman, uh, along with incoming freshman five-star recruits uh, at wide receiver Jordan Johnson and then Chris Tyree. And we have plenty of other depth coming up, a lot of weapons building up in this offense for the future, which is really exciting. Quick you? question, yes. uh, just before I get in, Kevin Austin, I've been hearing a lot about him lately. What's the deal with him? Is he still injured? Has he not been playing this year? Because we've been hearing nothing but great things from the coaching staff. He is outrageously talented. Uh, I think he's going to have a huge role next year. I think they shut him down for the season due to suspension. Because he, he, he basically, he's had a lot of problems off the field. Uh, from my understanding, and I don't want to be completely speaking out of my ass, but there's there's a reason he's not on the field this year, and I, I don't think it's because of his talent. And does he preserve a year of eligibility as such? I would imagine so. Good, because um, he's going to step in with Lindsay next year because we're losing Claypool, we're losing Fink. Um, so we'll have those two. I think McKinley's gone as well. I'm not 100% on that one. Um, so we'll have Lindsay, we'll have Austin, we'll have Komet, and then we'll have um, Johnson coming in as a freshman. Um, and then there's some other talent there too. Um, who's the other guy? He got Micah some touches. Jones. Uh, oh, um, oh man. Now you're Sweetie really, guy. he returned a punt, I think too. Uh, that would be, uh, let me just see his name quickly. Cause I'm blanking. I think he dropped a pass. Lawrence keys. Lawrence keys. Yeah. So we, we have a lot of talent to replace there. I think we're good at the wide receiver position for a couple of years. Um, I'm glad to hear that Kevin Austin will be back next year with an extra year of eligibility. It seems to me he's not very old to begin with. I think he might be just a sophomore. Yeah, true sophomore. So, true sophomore. Um, yeah. So that's huge for the Irish. Um, just looking towards 2020 because I think that is a year where we could 
um, really put another push into the playoff. So my uh, juice in my nuts moment, um, and what we're going to have to do, by the way, is we're going to have to get one of our female listeners on to tell us an equivalent of that so we can be a little more inclusive to maybe it's juice in my tits. I don't know. <laughs> um, but uh, you know what? Tweet us if you, if you have a good idea for for a, a another one for that another saying for juice in my nuts let us know um but for me it's claypool touchdown for the sole reason that i am an absolute homer um i've gone to the point where i'm now like tweeting at canadian media personality saying stop it with this hubbard talk and start talking about claypool um because everybody knows hubbard that's like he's all over the place in canadian media and it's like he might not even be the best canadian college football player right now uh claypool um for heisman is what i am running on um, not seriously, Joe Burrow gets my pick, but I, I love Chase. He's had an absolutely phenomenal senior year. Um, it's almost too bad he didn't get more touches in his earlier two seasons because I think he could have really put on some some records at Notre Dame. But overall, he scored his 10th touchdown today, or, well, Saturday, of course, um, and 15 is the record in the season. So if Claypool can get five in the next two games, he would own the record. I, I don't expect him to, but... He, he'll at least climb the leaderboard, so that's something to look out for. And, yeah, that's just it for me. I love to see him score. I, I, I feel a lot of pride for him. Um, his draft status is just rising. And um, nothing but good things, you know? He's my uh, cousin or friend or whatever the, the inside <laughs> joke was. Yeah, and uh, and he did make the touchdown catch and played, from what I could see, the basically the entirety of the game with a splint on his right hand, it looked like his uh, index finger and his middle finger uh, were splinted together. So if he's got like a jammed up finger or a broken finger, all the more impressive that he's doing what he's doing because any ball that comes at him, it's snatched up. Yeah, he's just so good. He had one drop pass, which was his first bad drop pass I remember this year. And um, it would have been another touchdown and it would have won me a bet, but we're not going to get into that because I'll get sad. Um, <laughs> let's move into week 14. It's rivalry week. It's the best week in college football. Um, Steve, you went 3-2 and two last week. I went 4-1. and one. We both missed on Missouri, and then I won on Virginia Tech, and you lost on Pitt. Um, throughout the season so far, I'm 18-7 and seven for 72%, and you're right behind me, 16-9 and nine at 64%. Um, I think that shows that, A, we're both really good at predicting games or I'm picking really easy games to predict. Uh, and we're pretty close when it comes to predicting. So this week, very big ones for Rivalry Week, lots of good games to play. So I'm just going to throw them at you. Uh, the lines are already up there, so we don't need to predict them. We'll just we'll just say who the game winner will be. Um, so Friday night, or Friday afternoon, actually, Virginia Tech is going to Virginia to take on the Cavaliers in that rivalry game. Virginia Tech is favored by three points on the road. And miraculously, every team I'm going to tell you, the road team is favored. Wow. Uh, okay. So we got a road, a home dog weekend um, for rivalry, which is pretty crazy. Now, what's Virginia's record? I know Virginia Tech has had a late run here and pushed themselves into the yeah. top 25. Is Virginia probably? A... They're both nine and three. It's uh, the winner gets to go to the conference championship game. Plus, it's a rivalry. It's it's a massive game. And um, any minute now, we should be actually getting the college football playoff rankings. Is this mm-hmm. stay Monday or stay Tuesday? Yeah, it's it's Monday. <laughs> so the rankings come out tomorrow. Never mind. I'm uh, I'm disoriented. So tomorrow we'll find out. I'm sure both of them will be in the 25. Actually, so that'll be a big game. Yeah, um, gonna go with the home team here in Virginia. Um, although I I think this is gonna be very tight. This is basically a pick'em game in my opinion. Could go either way. Georgia Tech. Uh, 
uh, Georgia Tech, uh, Virginia Tech's defense really showed some moxie against Notre Dame, and they they were frisky. Uh, even Virginia's uh, defense was was pretty frisky. I think Virginia's offense has a little bit more upside and and uh, home run threat potential. Um, so I, I think at home Virginia's going to take this. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, I wish you would have said Virginia Tech because I'm picking Virginia as well, and I was going to lead in with a really cool line for like the first time in like 20-something years. Virginia is going to beat Virginia Tech. Um, that's one where the uh, the Hokies have really dominated that rivalry. I think this is the perfect time for UVA to win it. I think they have a very good defense. I think being at home will help, and being a, a, a home underdog too is very interesting. So I also have the Cavaliers. Uh, moving on now to the big game. It is the most, uh, I suppose, prominent rivalry in college football, um, even though they play at noon because the Big Ten is absolute dog shit. Um, Ohio State is going to Ann Arbor to take on the Wolverines. Ohio State is an eight, eight and a half point favorite. Steve, who do you have? I think that this is finally the year. And I think that this would just insert a whole different level of chaos. And uh, at this point, since we're eliminated from playoff contention, it it kills me to say that Scum is going to win. Um, But I think Harborough finally breaks his curse at home in the big house, Michigan over Ohio State. I was shaking my head the entire time because... (laughs) Here's something everybody needs to know. I've said it last year, week thir- or week, ri- week, week 14, rivalry week. I've been saying it in my personal life for years now. There, there's one truth about this life. Death, taxes, and Ohio State beating Michigan. It is a law. Michigan will never beat Ohio State again, I think, until I die. Which could be soon. <laughs> but I just I I will not believe it until I see it I just don't know how Michigan is going to beat a program that is recruited better that coaches better that has way more swagger to them Michigan is kind of a gloomy program you know I wouldn't want to play there you know it's disgusting but you know they're at home Um, Michigan does have a decent team this year you would think this is the year they could do it but I think this Ohio State team is just so nasty. I think they're going to beat Michigan probably comfortably, too. Um, eight and a half points is a very interesting spread. I'll have to make a game-time decision on that. But I'm taking Ohio State. It's it's just written in the stars. It's it's part of life. Is Even though the Wolverines have the series lead, they have, they've have won, what, one game since, like, 2005? That's pitiful. That's pitiful. But... No more talking about those shitty programs because I hate both of them, and I'm sure you do too. With the passion. Let's move to the other shitty rivalry with teams that we hate that are just complete and utter garbage. Alabama is going to Auburn to take on the Tigers. Alabama is a four-point favorite without Tua Tagovailoa. I see. Look, I couldn't even pronounce it. Um, I'm very bad with words. <laughs> Tua. Um, who do you got, Steve? Uh, I'm going with the home game for the third consecutive pick. Uh, I think that Auburn is due for a win in the Iron Bowl. Uh, it's been quite some time, and it's always uh, this is always an exciting matchup. 
like would like to see Gus Malzahn really dial up some plays to get Bo Nix um, feeling a little frisky out there and putting up some points on the Alabama defense. It's unlikely. This is not the safe pick whatsoever. Uh, but with Tua out, I think this uh, this is one hell of a defensive line in Auburn, and um, we'll see if they can carry him to victory with the home crowd getting juiced up. There are two programs in college football who have played Alabama very tough in the last 10 years, and it's been Clemson and, and Auburn. I think Auburn's going to win as well. I just think without their quarterback in Tua, I'm not even going to attempt to try to do it again, his last name. Um, I just think Auburn's going to be able to control the ball. Um, they could beat Alabama, I think, even with Tua at home. And I'm not a big Auburn fan this year. I don't think Auburn's particularly great, but I think at home with a Tua-less uh, Alabama team, I like Auburn. That's probably the worst case for Notre Dame getting into a New Year's Six Bowls if Auburn wins because it'll ensure Auburn and Alabama's ahead of us. Um, but I think that is the most likely outcome, and it would mean that Alabama's not in the playoff, and thank the, the heavens. Thank everybody. <laughs> thank, if Joe Alabama, thank Joe Pesci. Thank Joe Pesci. <laughs> if Alabama doesn't get into the playoff. Um, the Carlin fans out there will know. Yeah, it's it's my Twitter bio as well. I didn't know if you knew that and you were just making me feel good, but my Twitter bio is wow. uh, pray to Joe Pesci. Yeah. <laughs> um, fourth game, Big Ten again. This is to determine the other Big Ten um, championship team. Wisconsin is going to Minnesota where they are two-and-a-half-point favorites. Who do you have? <laughs> I have Wisconsin by at least 13 here. Um, you know, it was Minnesota at home, I mean, they, they did one hell of a freaking job against uh, Penn State. Uh, I just think it's the clock is going to strike midnight for Cinderella here. Um, hell of a turnaround for this uh, Minnesota program, and you got to give them all the, the props for what they're working with in terms of recruits and talent. So, uh, P.J. Fleck, incredibly talented coach. I just don't think this will be his day. Wisco's the pick. You know, I was tempted to agree with you there. I thought about it after the way Minnesota had disappointed us in the Iowa game. But Minnesota's at home. We saw what that home environment could do. They'll be playing for their first chance to get into the Big Ten title in God knows how many years. 70 years. <laughs> I took a look at some of the stats. I had that advantage. Um, obviously, you were pressed for time because I come up with these. I get a little more time to look at them. They're both very close. They're very close teams, and I think Wisconsin's a run-heavy team. And if Minnesota at home can kind of stop the run, I like Minnesota's chances to throw the ball and to score points. So I'm going to take the home underdog here. I'm going to go with my my Minnesota Golden Gophers. That's <laughs> that's who I'm taking. The most historic team in the Big Ten. People don't forget. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's uh, that. I mean, that is a good pick. It, it's I. I, I just have a feeling that Wisconsin is going to roll, but anytime you can get an, uh, a home dog, especially in a huge game like this, um, you know they're a proven team up to this point. Um, so I honestly, it could go either way. You could make a justification for either team in this game, and, and you would probably sound intelligent making the point. Fair enough. Let's, uh, let's get her going here. We're going down to Oklahoma, where the Sooners take on the Oklahoma State Cowboys. 21-point favorites are the Sooners. Who do you have? Uh, boring pick here. It's going to be, uh, Oklahoma. Uh, I don't really like Oklahoma. I've, I've no goodwill towards them whatsoever. I think they're a shitty program. Uh, well, talented, but shitty. Um, yeah, I mean, I, this is actually going to be, I think the game that, 
um, will solidify a playoff appearance, assuming an Alabama loss. Um, so if, if Bama loses and Oklahoma wins, Jalen Hurts getting back into the playoff in the face of Bama missing, that's a storyline. So that's what I'm going with. Well, they'd still have to play Baylor, and Baylor's a really good team. But I do agree I have Oklahoma winning this game, too. I think uh, Oklahoma State could give them trouble. I think Oklahoma State might cover. 21 seems like a big a big line. Um, but I have the Sooners to win there. Um, just a side note, Notre Dame wants to get into a New Year's Six Bowl game, and uh, that's going to be tough this year. We have had an unusually good year of college football. Uh, we have three undefeated teams again, which rarely, rarely, rarely happens. Um, the Big Ten has had a really good year. They have five teams in the top 15. The SEC's had a really good year, too. So it really leaves Notre Dame stuck behind a lot of teams, even at 10-2, and two, with not a a great resume, a, a decent resume, but not a great one. So I don't know if we'll get a New Year's Six Bowl game. I really hope we do. I hope the Orange Bowl decides to break their own rules and say this year the ACC team, which would be the non-Clemson team, so Virginia or Virginia Tech, is so bad that we'd rather just break the rules and have Notre Dame play. It, it's you know. the most fitting. That's what honestly should happen in a perfect should happen. World, but. And do you know who we'd, we would get? It would be, theoretically, if we stepped in for the ACC, we would get either Alabama, Florida, Penn State, or the winner of Minnesota, Wisconsin. We would get one of those Big Ten teams, and we would, or we'd get one of those SEC teams. I think that's the way. It's one of those two conferences get that bid, that at-large bid. So what a hell of a playoff that, or what a hell of a bowl game that would be. And I would think that hopefully the people that are making the selections consider that and consider breaking the rules because nobody wants to see Virginia or Miami or Virginia Tech play Alabama or play, you know, Florida or Georgia. That would be a travesty. That would be really upsetting. You know, maybe it'll be Georgia, too. If Georgia loses to LSU, it could be they get the bowl game. But they might go to the Sugar Bowl, too. So I I don't know. I don't want to spend too much time speculating. But if you're a Notre Dame fan, don't get your hopes up. We I was tweeted at Pete Sampson on the account that because he said, you know, it's unlikely. And I said, yes, but there's about four or five teams who are going to lose and drop behind us anyway. We would only need, I think, one or two little surprise upsets. Um, but cheer for the upsets. I mean, you would probably have to cheer for Alabama, but just for the sanctity of it, I will not. I'm cheering for Auburn. <laughs> um, and I, I just hope we get in. Um, I hope we do get the Orange Bowl. If not, we'll get, you know, the Camping Bowl game or another really good bowl game. And we'll play a good team because there are a lot of good teams this year. I mean, there's too many good SEC and Big Ten teams to go around in these bowl games. So there's a good chance we'll get, uh, you know, Minnesota or, or someone along those lines anyway. But uh, let's move on here. Let's wrap this up. We're going to do our last game preview until the bowl game. Um, Notre Dame is going to Palo Alto to take on the Stanford Cardinal. That's a tree, not the bird. Um, They play for the Legends (laughs) Trophy. Um, It's a a little trophy they give out. Notre Dame is 20-13 and in this rivalry. Their first matchup was in 1925 in the Rose Bowl, which, for the historians out there, would know that is the first time Notre Dame won a national championship that they claim, that there's earlier claims Notre Dame could make, and they should make if Alabama's allowed to. Um, but that's the first one we claim a consensus title. It was the Rose Bowl. It was Stanford, and it's the last bowl game we played until, like, the 60s or something. We took a bowl hiatus after that. Um, so, obviously, this rivalry is not super 
well played in terms of many games, but it's one that um, is historic for Notre Dame. I think we should call this the Nerd Bowl. Um, these two schools are kind of like cousins. I mean, I cheer for Stanford when I'm not cheering for Notre Dame. Um, I know a lot of people hate Stanford because they give a shit. And um, Brian Kelly's never won at Palo Alto. So Notre Dame comes in as, I think, 14.5-point favorites or something along those lines. I haven't looked it up. And um, that's just kind of the way it is. So I'm going to give you guys the quick statistical breakdown here. Um, offensive efficiency, Notre Dame is 32nd in the country. Stanford is 69th. Nice. Um, <laughs> defensive efficiency, Notre Dame is 6th. Stanford is 88th. Not nice. Overall, Notre Dame is 14th in the country. Stanford is 76th in terms of efficiency. And then SP Plus, of course, one of our favored advanced metrics, has Notre Dame 15th in the country, jumping back into the top 15 this week. And then Stanford at 79th. So this is a really big gap here. Stanford's been bad this year. They are 4-7, and seven, and they just lost to Cal at home. Steve, what are your thoughts? <sighs> I, I need this for my sanity. Um, I'm... I'm not going to lie. I'm nervously optimistic going into this game. There's no reason in the world Notre Dame should not win this game 31 to 10. Like, legit. Uh, it could honestly be be a bigger margin than that, and it should be. Um, you know, our defensive efficiency, sixth. You know, the offensive efficiency for, uh, for Stanford is like not even breaking the top 75 teams. Uh, they're not, like there. There's non-power five teams that are better than them. It's they. They are a an abysmal program this year. I don't really mind Stanford. They, like you mentioned, they're they're a pretty good program out west. Um, so I think there's a lot of admiral things about the school and the program in and of itself. It, it just drives me crazy. We can't win in Palo Alto. Uh, never happened under the Brian Kelly era. It's not a tough environment either. That's what's so it, confusing. Nobody really goes to not. Stanford and gets blown out by the home atmosphere, you know? Yeah. What is it, like 52,000 seats? Like, it's not anything crazy. It never sells out. Yeah. So, it, I mean, by all means, Notre Dame should blow them out. There's no reason why we can't. There's no reason why we can't, um, you know, force the ball down their throat with the run game. And then, obviously, we know we have the tools with Claypool, Komet, and the whole nine. We, we know we have the boys on on, uh, on the offensive, line, uh, offensive side of the ball to uh, to work efficiently and uh, and get the ball into scoring position. And we know in the red zone this year, we are an absolute monster red hot team. I think we've missed like two red zone chances all year, which is incredible. Um, and then defense, you just got to have faith in the guys. You just got to have faith. Uh, they, they've proven time and time again, even in the face of injury, next man up like Adeoga Denje. Um we got the pass rushers. We got the linebackers who are all performing at an insane out of their mind level. And we know our secondary is absolutely shut down. And I just going back to circle uh, a quick callback. I think one of the reasons we're seeing a Loey Gilman kind of quote unquote disappear into the void this year. Um, uh, the teams just cannot throw the ball down the field. If you throw the ball down the middle of the field, you you're either getting absolutely lit up by uh, either Gilman or Elliot, who will readily kill you if you go if you catch the ball across the middle. They're both, I'd say, good to very good in terms of coverage uh, as center fielders. And then you have to factor in Kyle Hamilton, who is just like literally God at the safety position. So <laughs> uh, you can't throw the ball on Notre Dame. You have to dink and dunk, dunk them. Everything is go uh, passed against us un under 10 yards. If we, we can keep everything in front of us, I mean, 
damn, this is a talented defense, and and I really think that that's going to be a huge difference maker in us putting this game away, hopefully relatively early. Those would be the finality of my thoughts. How about yourself? Sure. Yeah, right before game predictions, I have just a few things I want to say. I, I think Costello's the quarterback. I think he might be back off injury. I think he came back a couple weeks ago. Don't know how much that'll matter, but, you know, keep an eye on who's quarterback. That's something to say. Um you perfectly highlighted that this should be a blowout by every means it should be. It would not surprise me if typical Stanford just played as close. Even though they're an awful team who lost to Cal at home, I would not be surprised at all if this is the game where Stanford all of a sudden plays like it's, uh, you know, 2014 Stanford or 2015 Stanford or whatever year they were good. Um, I would like you to hold me to account next week and talk. We should have a little segment on... If Notre Dame had beaten Michigan, where would we be right now? Would we be in a playoff spot? I don't want to talk about that now because we don't have time for it, but that's something we should look at next week is had we, you know, our defense played great in every game except one. If our defense shows up in that game and we beat Michigan, where would we be? So hold us to account for next week. I would like to say one more thing before we go to game predictions. We should be playing USC this week. It drives me absolutely nuts that in rivalry week, when all the top rivalries in college football play, we are not playing USC every year this should be continuously on week 14 it should be rivalry week every year it used to be until usc got cold and asked for it in october notre dame says they like to recruit in stanford this the in california this week that's their recruiting week bullshit do that some other time this should be up there with michigan ohio state with auburn alabama it, it should the reason we're not talked about in this light is because we don't play it on this week is what i believe because notre dame usc is a great rivalry and it should be in south bend this year Anyway, that's the last from me. Um, we'll be moving on um, to game predictions in terms of score. What do you have? Oh, boy. Uh, I think I'm going to go with 34-13 um, Irish. Fair enough. Um, I said I wouldn't be surprised if it's close, but I don't think it's going to be. Notre Dame's going to blow them out 48-10. The Cardinals, a stupid mascot, were going to absolutely beat the brakes off them. We will go 10-2 and on the year. Fourth time in five years. Not quite what we wanted, but it would still nonetheless be a good season. A little disappointing, but 10-2 and two with a bowl game and hopefully with a bowl win, um, I think would put us in a good position for next year. Um, as always, thank you guys for listening. Uh, Horseman Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Give us a shout. We would like to hear from you if you're interested in coming on maybe sometime in December to do um, a podcast with some other fans. Probably not just a one-on-one, -on -one, but something like we did last year. Um, shoot us a DM. We'd love to hear from you. Um, that's it for me, Steve. Do you have anything else uh, before we sign off? Nope. I, I have some thoughts, but I think I'm going to save them for next week because I don't want to get too out far out ahead of my skis. So... Um... We've covered everything. We wanted to make this a quick hitter, uh, especially in, in the midst of Thanksgiving week. Happy Thanksgiving to all my American friends. Happy Thanksgiving as of like two months ago to all our Canadian friends. Uh, and that's pretty much all the thoughts. Again, follow, feedback, rate five stars. The, the more information you guys can give us, the more we can cater to you, the masses, and what we would, we would consider the fourth horseman. So thank you so much to everyone. Go Irish. Burn the fucking tree.